This is Reinvented. I'm Chris Bordoni, and this show is about the art and science of transformation. In season one of Reinvented, we're exploring what happens when adversity strikes. From finding new sources of strength, to rethinking your identity, and far beyond. Today, I speak with Scott Simon, president of North Point Realty and the founder of Scare Your Soul. As a child, Scott was severely bullied. In his own words, he felt small, insignificant, and afraid. In college, however, Scott started to confront his fears. He began to say yes to the things that scared him. I'm Scott Simon. I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, have led a really interesting and passionate second half of my life after growing up feeling quite small and insignificant. So my life in many ways has been a journey of discovery, of really trying to find myself and to grow and uh, really lucking into a passion for helping other people um, achieve that level of growth. It all comes from a very, very personal place for me working with people to help overcome the kind of fears that I know I have felt in my life and continue to feel um, has become a huge passion. That's a great introduction. Scott, let's, let's go back to the beginning and let's talk about your childhood. Let's talk about sort of where did that fear come from and what did that, what did that look like and feel like for you? What, what was your childhood like? Sure. So when I look back on my childhood, I have little bright moments of positive memories of family. My grandparents were my best friends growing up. I really lucked into a terrific uh, family. But my main emotion when looking back on my childhood is one of fear. Uh, It began very kind of viscerally for me by um, having two bullies that that lived down the block from me that that would beat me up, taunt me, We would be waiting for the bus and they would grab me by the arm and swing me around and um, dislocated my arm a couple of times. And that experience um, had a huge impact on me. It it made me really feel like uh, the more visible I was, the, the, the greater risk I was in. And I was small to begin with. Um, I was probably the shortest kid in my grade growing up. I was quiet and shy already, and so that that really just impacted me in a in a major way. I just felt like I wanted to be invisible and um, and that lasted for many, many years. Um, I, I had trouble making friendships. Um, I always felt like the, the other shoe was going to drop and that somebody was going to end up um, hearing or seeing something from me that would lead to them hurting me, leaving me. Consequently, um, I, I literally uh, felt and wanted to feel invisible for most of my childhood. And, um, and that's, an, that's an awful feeling to have. Um, I always love hearing people's stories of happy childhoods. Um, and I've got two kids of my own, and I, I, and I reveled in watching them have happy childhoods um, because I, I kind of felt like I never had it. And um, it was that feeling just of sitting in the back of the room, never raising my hand, even if I knew the answer in class, having one or two friends, but at the end of the day, really feeling like um, I was making no impact in the world. And, and I needed to do that to survive. Yeah. I mean, that, that, 
it's hard to imagine. And I'm sure as a, especially as a young kid who has limited ability to make sense of things, it must be incredibly difficult, right? To go through that experience and to have that sort of continue for a long period of time. How did you ultimately start to go about breaking out of that cycle? What happened in your life that allowed you to see some light and then perhaps start to turn things around? Sure. So, you know, we always have those moments in life where somebody opens a door for us. We're given the opportunity to take on something that we don't think we can do. And if we, in that moment, can just say yes, as opposed to no, you never know what happens. And I was in college. um, I was uh, about to start my senior year. Again, very, very shy reticent. Um, I was still living in the dorms, even though most of my fellow juniors and and about to be seniors were living off campus um, in Saratoga Springs, New York. And I got a phone call that the president of the dorm that I was living in uh, decided to transfer last minute and they needed somebody to be the president of the dorm. And I was the oldest person (laughs) living in the dorm at that time. Uh, what I want to take on the job. And there was that momentary um, question mark that we're all faced with all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you say yes or do you say no? And there was something in me that said it was time to say yes. And even though I look back on it now and my, my role there was, was, um, was, you know, minimal. I, I, but I had to get up and speak in front of the dorm on a weekly basis. Um, I was involved in student government that last year, and I got a little taste of how it felt to put myself out there. And that, to me, you know, my firm belief after now having studied positive psychology and spending time with wonderful teachers and, and guides is that it isn't really about the skydiving moments in life. It's about these small steps forward that build one on another. And that one opportunity of saying yes led me to feeling a little bit better about myself and about my ability to speak publicly. All of a sudden, I could speak in front of more than two people. And, um, and then I used that as a springboard for the, the things that came after that. But it was that one random phone call that I received that kind of opened that door. And yeah, and that was that that was and it was that sense again of saying yes. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 word um, has been the key for me that uh, has unlocked all of the all of the the goodness that has flowed in my life since. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a second, but let's let's just stay on sort of this this pivotal year or period in your life. Yeah, I I completely agree with the idea that we sort of we put a lot of weight on the skydiving moments, the big flashy things, but I think there's a lot of really small things that either add up to something bigger than that, or in a lot of cases lay the foundation that allow you to go and skydive that allow you to do that big thing. And we don't focus on all that stuff that comes before it, but I think that that's where all the hard work gets done. And that's where a lot of the impact or the value occurs. I'm curious as you are starting some of these small things, right. And you are starting to come out of your shell a bit or, or realize your power in, in that moment. Um, what was it like? So getting up to speak in front of, you know, the people in your dorm or deciding that you were going to be on, you know, in a leadership role, like, was that absolute agony for you? Or was that something that came pretty easily once you started to get going? It was terrifying. 
It was absolutely terrifying. Um, I remember the first time that I did it, I paced in my dorm room practicing what I was going to say and just sweating and my stomach in knots. You know, there's a wonderful book, uh, which tit- the title of it uh, expresses everything that's in the book. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And it's become kind of a, <laughs> it's become kind of a, a Bible to me that it's okay to be terrified. As long as we're taking positive action that leads to growth, it's okay to feel terrified. And I still feel terrified all the time. And, um, and that time was no different. But once you can get past that first 15 or 20 seconds of terror or, or, or more if you ruminate on it beforehand, once you get into it, you, most of the time you realize you actually love what you're doing. When you're in that moment and you're, 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 you're doing the thing that you were so terrified about doing, you have this tremendous sense of joy and this tremendous sense of accomplishment. Um, it, it's like anything else in life. When we put the effort into something that is hard, the feeling that we have afterwards is this tremendous feeling of freedom and joy and release. And um, I mean, I know that you've had, you've had tremendous struggles in your life, whether it was injuries or, or um, uh, especially in your, in, your, in your earlier years, it was injuries, right? So you were on a path and then all of a sudden there was a curveball that, that, that took you down a different path. And that other path was new and you had to confront um, a new way. And I'm sure for you, that raised all kinds of questions of, you know, can I do this? Can I, can I follow this new path? Yeah. Um, I, how did it feel for you when you were, when you were in these moments of, of, of trying something new, something that you, that you hadn't done before? Well, how did it feel in your body? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I think as when you first have those experiences, things that are genuinely new for you, I think it can be, it is terrifying. And it, it, it also though, there's a, there is a kernel of it. There's a piece that is exhilarating, right? Or, or perhaps you get through a moment of it or, you know, your first time doing something that's new and you start to see something new or something exciting. And that makes it, you know, not all bad, right? There's some good in it. I think what's been interesting as I've sort of collected some of these experiences and and done a little bit more living in my life is, you know, getting to a place now where as I'm as I'm running my business as I'm trying new things and and knowing that many of them will fail, you feel you, I start to feel that feeling of okay, here's the fear, here's the self doubt, here's all this, but I recognize it more, and so it's kind of fun or it's at least a little bit better to sit with it and say, okay, I know what this is, I, I understand this, I respect it, I appreciate it. But let me let me sort of put it where it, it deserves to be and let me keep going. And I think having just a little bit of that separation from the emotion or from the raw feeling has been, uh, I think, a big breakthrough, but but one that didn't occur overnight, one that I think is the accumulation of many, many different things that, you know, by choice or not by choice, you, you know, I was forced to do and forced to get comfortable with. I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and I think it was, it was extra terrifying for me at that time because I had never really done it before. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and now, um, my friends laugh at me because uh, sometimes I'll have to give a big speech or do something that, that, you know, pushes, that pushes me. And I will, I'll terrify myself on purpose. You know, I, I will, I will, um, I'll write my speech um, a half an hour before I have to give it. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I relish now putting myself in that position where I know I can perform and that feeling of, 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 um, of energy. Let's, let's, let's kind of put it in that framework, that feeling of, of vibrant energy. Um, it can be terror. It can be stress. It can be a, a combination of anxiety and excitement. That feeling puts me in, um, in a zone and, um, and that zone is where I want to be so that I can, I can perform my best. Um, and, and that takes experience. It takes doing it. And as you said, it takes awareness. It's not just, um, sleepwalking through life where we do things on a Tuesday that are the same as a Wednesday. And, and all of a sudden it's three months later, it's paying attention to the emotions that surround the actions that we have every single day. And to make choices uh, based on pushing ourselves to do the things sometimes that we know are right and we know or we believe will, will have a positive impact on us or others, but we just have this attachment to outcome. And we're, we're too worried that we're going to fail or that people are going to think a certain way about us. Um, and those things are the things that limit us and, and cause us a sense of fear um, and when we can have the awareness to kind of push ourselves through that, we end up, it's, it's like a marathon runner. You don't run a marathon day one, but boy, after you hit the road uh, a, 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 a couple hundred times, you're ready. You're ready to run the marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, let's go back to, let's go back to your story. Cause I'm really curious to see sort of how you turn the corner and what this looked like in practice for you. So you have your senior year in college, you start taking on some like serious stretch roles. You're pushing yourself and, and you're, you know, it's terrifying, but you're doing it, which is amazing. I think when I talked to you last time, you talked about having a year of saying yes. <laughs> was that that year or was that after you graduated? Well, it was actually directly following that. So I, I, I graduated uh, from college feeling a little bit of a, a burst of, uh, of confidence. I, I had done something that I, I didn't think that I could do. And, um, and I, I decided that I was going to go spend a year abroad teaching. Um, and I, um, very, uh, quickly made a decision and ended up on a, an overseas flight, um, from Newark to Tel Aviv. And I had, um, seven hours of time on that flight with, uh, a journal in front of me. And I remember thinking to myself, well, gosh, I have this year ahead of me. Um, what am I going to do with this? And I realized that nobody in this new country that I was going to for a year knew me or my background or what a complete, you know, geek I was growing up and, and all of the feelings of, of insignificance and, and lack of self-worth that I had carried around with me for all of those years. And I basically decided to say yes to life that year. Um, and I gave myself the out that if I completely failed and it was a huge disaster, um, and I was miserable that I would hop on a flight and come home. And of course I never did. Um, I came home after the year, but that year of saying yes. And by saying yes, I mean that every chance that I had to make a decision about pushing myself in some new way, I took it on. And, um, and that year transformed me. It absolutely, 
Um, it absolutely changed the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed the world. Um, uh, I viewed um, travel and adventure and relationships and um, work opportunities as uh, opportunities to reintroduce that sense of dis- of energetic discomfort. Mm-hmm. And that year, um, I, I, I grew up. Uh, it was almost like I had an entire childhood. I, I, I redid my childhood in a year. Yeah. And do I grew re- up. It changed me. Do you remember some of the things that you said yes to during that time? <laughs> Um, absolutely. So (laughs) many of them were, were social, you know, it was, it was because I grew up feeling so shy, Uh, you know, we, we all have our things, right? We, we all, you know, for, for some people it's, it's, it's physical things for some people it's, um, having tough conversations with people or, or not pleasing people. Um, for me, it was actually speaking my voice for me. And that meant literally talking to the person next in, in line for me at the post office or um, of finding somebody that I found intimidating and actually pulling up a chair across from them in, in the dining hall and talking to them. And, um, and uh, each time I, I felt nervous, each time I felt fear. Um, but um, that year, Every time I had the opportunity to speak up, to speak to somebody, to introduce myself, to learn more about them, I took that opportunity and I built these wonderful, tremendous relationships, actually many of them that I still carry with me today, um, because when we approach somebody um, on a, uh, a level of vulnerability, of openness, of curiosity, um, we create connection. And so for me, it was, that was my, that was my main, um, uh, work that year was, was building relationships and, and, and making sure that my voice was heard and that I was hearing others. I traveled the country. I, um, took on all kinds of new jobs. I stood in front of groups of people and, and taught them English, uh, for many months. I worked in a, a chicken house with a hundred thousand chickens and help them devise new strategies for collecting eggs from chickens. I mean, it was literally (laughs) opportunities that I had that I never would have had uh, anywhere else in life. And, you know, that whole experience again of just saying yes was so transformative. And, um, I really felt like at that point that any new opportunity was a chance to, grow and a chance to be better. And, um, and you know, that, that to me has stuck with me and informed the rest of my life. Yeah. Just curious, the, the idea of saying yes, was that something that like came to you as you're sitting on the plane or was that something that you had read about? Like, where did that actually come from? I, I, you know, I don't know if you've had, uh, kind of epiphanies in your life. It, It wasn't a quote. It wasn't a book I was reading. Um, I just remember sitting there in, you know, row 32, seat B, and with an open blank journal in front of me. And that open blank journal, I, I feel like much of my life has been informed by open blank journals, by the way. I feel like it's, a, it, it's such an underrated concept to sit there <laughs> with, a, with a blank page in front of us yeah. and, and, to, and to begin to dream about what life looks like. But it was just, it was when I picked up that pen, that's what flowed. Yeah, that's so and, cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's how it happened. 
the idea was waiting for you. Was it, it was. something that w- once you got into it, was it something that you you told people that you were doing? Did you talk about it, or was it just something that was you know for you only? You know, at, at that, it really was for me only. Um, it, 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 it wasn't something that I, I felt like I needed to, uh, communicate or share in a way. Sometimes I feel like, uh, for me, it diffuses the power of something. If I, if I, then I'm beholden to other people, uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to being, uh, beholden just to myself. And so it, it was something I think that I kept as an internal mandate, um, Later on in life, I now find it, sometimes it's a challenge for me, actually, to express to people what is important for me. That has been another kind of like a, a, a point of, of growth for me is I have my own beliefs and I have my own internal commitments, but telling people about my commitments and, and hopefully inspiring them th- through those has been, has been a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, because it's a, it's a great leap to say, well, boy, I have found this valuable and I have found it inspiring. I hope you find it inspiring too. And that's a whole nother layer of laying yourself bare in front of other people. Um, because they, they may, or they may not connect with it. But the point is when we, when we, when, when we've experienced something that we feel is powerful, um, you know, I, I look at your website and, and the stories that you tell about yourself. And, and I, I mentioned this to you in, an, in another conversation. When we're able to vulnerably tell people um, the, the kind of things that we are fearful of, that the kind of things that haven't gone well, the struggles that we have, we're so afraid to do that. But when we do that, that's what opens ourselves up to people really loving us and really being interested in us. But at that point, all of this was so new to me that I think that internal mandate was just something I felt like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And, um, and, and it just felt like this, like a growing fire within me. It felt like something was catching flame and I wanted to hold on to it and let it grow. And that at a later stage in life, that was the flame that I then wanted to share. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's so interesting about your experience and going to Israel is just like you changed everything, right? You, you were in a new place. No one knew you. You had like, you had the ability to go and experiment in some ways it was, it was brilliant or maybe it was just good fortune. Right. Um, when you came back though, and you sort of reintegrate into a community, you know, that you grew up with or a country that, you know, you're familiar with or, or anything like that. Did you find that it was challenging? Did you find that you were at risk of losing some of that fire or had you built up so much momentum that it didn't matter at that point? That's such a great question. Um, I, I think we all run the risk of having deep, immersive, even epiphany type um, experiences, um, knowing that a shift has to change and then getting kind of reimmersed in life and getting back into the kind of comfort zones that have guided our life previously. I, I would tell you that um, I never. I, yes, I, I I came back and and re-entered some of my old patterns, but there w- the fire still existed, and I think that it started. Uh, I had to start again when I came back to the states. I kind of had to go back to kindergarten again and 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 realize how I was going to employ some of these strategies maybe in a work in a work life and uh, in relationships it wasn't just me out there um uh traveling and and in a new environment um 
but this sense of putting myself in uncomfortable, uh, intentionally uncomfortable positions, that's what stuck with me. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, for those people who are, you know, into yoga or are, are runners or, or, or do, do anything, you know, physically, you know, that feeling of putting yourself in intentional discomfort. It's not, you know, uh, until we realize the benefits of it, it's, it's not, it runs converse to who we are as humans. You know, what we want to do is to protect ourselves from, from pain, from anxiety, certainly from, from, uh, things that are going to harm us. Um, and, and to be in a sense of homeostasis, we want to stay consistent and safe. And, and, um, and so we have to push ourselves through that comfort barrier. Um, that was the piece that stuck with me. And, um, so when I entered the work world and, and, um, and entered, you know, a, a, a serious relationship, um, those were the kind of things that stuck with me. And, um, and, and I think I was able to, you know, have a sense of achievement based on, on that. Um, and I think others began to see it and relish it. And, and that was really great for me. I, I, for the first time, people were looking at me um, as an achiever, which is something that I had never been viewed at, as in my entire life. Yeah, that's really cool. Were there, ever, were there ever moments where the idea of just saying yes proved to be a bad mantra, a bad advice? Like, were there instances where that just was not a good idea? You know, sure. Um, you know, I, I think now that I have um, grown into this concept, um, I can see the um, kind of the complexity behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there are times when we say yes to life and we say yes to based on um, r- rationales that may not serve us. Um, uh, when I was, uh, getting a degree in positive psychology, we did a lot of, um, study around something called the locus of control, which, you know, very simply is, you know, are, are we motivated by an intrinsic or internal motivation or are we motivated and impacted by something externally validation from other people, et cetera, things that, um, that are external rewards. And, um, so as I was saying yes to life, um, uh, sometimes I found myself saying yes because it was validating or pleasing other people. Um, and, and, and that led me to, um, you know, pr- making some decisions that just probably were, you know, they were based on that sense of, of wanting to please other people or wanting to do things that weren't going to disappoint others. Um, and, 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 and so being able to kind of d- delve deeply into um, what does saying yes mean? Why am I saying yes to something? Um, uh, it became much more of a complex internal conversation. Yeah, that's really interesting. But I mean, amazing, right? That you, you did enough work and you found yourself in enough of those situations to start to tease out some of the nuance. And then I think also getting, you know, getting educated and learning where you can start to understand why those things happen and what it means. That's, that's like tremendous progress and growth. I, and I think that's really it. It, it. Again, it goes back to this point of how often do we get, do we jump back into that freezing pool, yeah. right? Like how, how often do we put ourselves in that position? And the more you do it, the more you begin to see um, the benefits of it. And, and, and also, again, when it's, when it's serving you, when it's serving others, which is not to say that, um, I mean, I, 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 am a, I am a glutton for action. So, 
I will tell you that if I have a chance to say yes, I'm, I'm going to want to say yes more than I'm going to want to say no, even if I'm hesitant due to, the, due to why I'm saying yes. Hmm. But I do think that there are, are ways, and I, I, this, is, this is at a later point in my, in my life, why things like mindfulness meditation, slowing down, being present in our lives allows us some sense of awareness as to why we're saying yes. And those were the kind of interventions that became very important for me um, as I kind of progressed through this whole process of learning about saying yes to life and pushing through comfort zones. Um, there are there are tools and interventions that that make those decisions easier. Um, but uh, but again, I'm I'm a I'm still a glutton for action. <laughs> so let's talk about scare your soul and the idea of basically taking what you've done in your life and this approach and the fact that now you're, you're building a movement around helping other people to do the same thing. So, so tell me sort of what's, what's the goal of scare your soul? How does it work? And give me a flavor for, you know, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the things that have been popular as you've done it? Sure. So, um, I wish I could tell you that scare your soul began with a, you know, a six month planning process and a business plan and, and angel investors. Um, the truth is, Scare Your Soul actually uh, rose from one Facebook post <laughs> that I that I put out. Um, I had um, I had spent some time locally um, creating a uh, an organization that planned events um, based on positive psychology. We planned thirty or forty different events um, based on the science of happiness, and it was a wonderful experience with a wonderful team. Um, and it was time for me to kind of um, own something, uh, something a little bit more aligned with me personally. And I began to do a lot of thinking about, you know, what were, you know, what was the common denominator between all of these events, both in my life and, and, in, and in this happiness incubator that I had helped create. And this whole sense of pushing comfort zones really um, became very clear to me. This whole sense of when I when I got that phone call in college uh, of would you accept to be president of this storm, that sense of pushing comfort zones has been the common denominator for what has been so positive for me in the second half of my life. And so I decided to do something that scared the crap out of me. I wanted to push my comfort zone in a way that opened up or unlocked something for me. I decided to. Um, uh, sing in front of a busy restaurant. Now, you may ask me, why did I want to sing in front of a busy restaurant? It's a pretty <laughs> random thing to do. Um, when I was growing up, um, I was in choir uh, when I was in elementary school. And I remember my choir teacher because I could not stay on pitch, just literally for the life of me. I just, I was like tone deaf, said, why don't you just mouth the words? I remember her saying that to me. And I, that comment stuck with me for years. I mean, decades, that yeah. one comment stuck with me. So consequently, throughout the rest of my life, I just, I would go to concerts and all, I, all my friends would be singing at the top of their lungs and I would be mouthing the words. I just, I just, it was just this monkey that was on my back. So I decided that it was, I'd had enough of that. And so I challenged myself to, um, to conquer it. And so I, my way of doing that was to grab my guitar and to go busk in front of uh, a busy restaurant on a Sunday morning when, when the brunch lines were a block long. And 
I was awful. I was just, just miserably terrible. And it was one of the best moments of my life. I loved it. Everybody in line loved it. They knew I was terrible. They gave me money anyway. They threw money into my guitar case. They, they applauded me. They connected with the fact that somebody who wasn't good at this was trying. Mm-hmm. And I was so moved by the experience and the feeling that I had when I strapped that guitar back in the case and walked, you know, strapped it on my back and walked down the street back to my car. I, I almost felt like I was levitating above the ground. That feeling, I wanted to bottle it. And I remember coming home and, and describing the experience in this post on Facebook. And because I'm an inviter by nature, I, I said in this Facebook post, Next weekend, if you love this idea, why don't we all choose to do something that scares us? Choose whatever you want and just do it. And this post blew up and kind of was shared hundreds of times and made its way literally around the world. And that next weekend, there were people, I got emails from Pakistan and China and Iran and um, and certainly all over the states of people who did things that that pushed that scared them, and um, I realized that there is such power in the collective when we uh, when we see other people doing things that are that allow them to grow, it inspires us, and we in turn inspire them, and there is this. Um, the positive psychologists talk about kind of like a positive upward spiral. Yeah. And it became this huge positive upward spiral of people that didn't need to do the same thing, but that supported each other in tackling things that were hard to do. And um, that one post um, inspired me to want to ask people to do it more. And so it we, about every quarter I would, Start. I would put the same post out, and then I created a website at two o'clock in the morning. I think it took me an hour to do, and I came up with the name in in the shower. And uh, um, uh, it it started out very humbly. And um, our goal was, you know, my goal at the time. Now we have a team around it. Was to just create the sandbox for people to play in, uh, where we offered people the opportunity to. Um, to push things in their lives where they knew they needed to push through that wall. And, um, and my, my realization was they just wanted more of it. Yeah, that's so amazing. And I, I, I totally can appreciate that. Like you tap into this, this thing, and it, it's sort of unclear why, but I think everyone or most people have some amount of that deep within them where they want to push themselves. They want to be scared. They want to try something new, right? They want that exhilaration. And, but it's when there's license to do it, there's an excuse to do it, there's other people doing it, there's a community around it that it becomes, suddenly it can come to life. And it's, it's really cool to, to see that happen. And it sounds like you sort of, you know, caught lightning in a bottle, so to speak. What, what does the organization do now? So how do you take that, that aspiration, that ambition and turn it into something that's happening on a daily basis? What does that look like? 
Sure. That's so. That's the that's that's kind of the 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 magic of it is how do you um, how do you kind of operationalize this this incredible powerful energetic feeling of um, we're all doing these things together um, and make it relevant and compelling and and something that that somebody will um, will will make a practice in their lives. So we, we took a little bit of a step back. I brought together a terrific team to kind of think out what, what this would look like. And really, we ended up basically with a model of creating challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I think in life, um, we, we all respond to the concept of a challenge. Um, and, and, and so that's really how we put out um, the opportunity for people to push comfort zones is we create challenges. Um, the challenges may be uh, more internal based. It may be learning more about yourself. The challenge could be more relational, might be a way that you interact with other people in your life, could be physical, um, pushing your physical boundaries or doing things that you've never done physically. But the the core strain through all of these things is that there is this beautiful sense of excited anxiety that is coupled with um, with these activities. Um, uh, and many times the most powerful ones are the most simple. And that, and that's really been a wonderful realization that we've had over the years is we oftentimes don't have to design elaborate challenges for people to, to engage in. It really is sometimes the ones that just, they know they need to do in their own lives. And we're giving them, I call it the permission slip. Mm-hmm. Scare your soul in many ways is just a permission slip um, to do the kind of things that we all need or want to do in life. But there is this is there is this fear barrier. Um, uh, one of the, I mean, uh, probably our most classic one, and 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 one of the easiest to do is to just buy a cup of coffee for a stranger. Yeah, um, it's 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 emblematic of what we do. Because it's the kind of thing that is easy to, to you know, it, 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 it doesn't take a lot to do. Um, it's not super expensive. Most people can do it. Um, but it's not the kind of thing that anybody does. And, um, and once, you do, once you put yourself in that position and you're in line and you know that you have to do it, you get this feeling of anxiety that rises up in you. I mean, I can tell you I've probably done it 15 times. And every single time you feel, you know, are they going to think that I'm a serial killer? Are they going to, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the reality is, I can tell you 15 times out of 15 times, I have gotten smiles. Um, I, I used to, you know, get a hug when we used to hug in, in this crazy world that we live in. <laughs> um, but I, I built relationships with people. I got to know them. I made their day. I felt great. Yep. And all it t- took was getting through that little sense of a fear barrier. So that is, that is kind of a wonderful metaphor for what we do. Um, uh, another one that, again, is, is simple, but people in, in many cases just don't do it, and that is um, having a tough conversation with somebody. Mm. Um, mo- more often than not, most of us have a tough conversation that we have to have with somebody. Um, whether it's admitting something, asking for forgiveness, um, 
expressing uh, a reality or a thought that we have that that we know is going to uh, maybe not go over real well, um, um, and we're avoiding it. And so, um, you know, in Scare Your Soul, uh, we we kind of operationalize that the the challenge for that particular week um, or 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 period of time may be to have a tough conversation. And um, I can tell you very quickly there, one of our ambassadors called me recently and told me that her, her new, newborn son was due to one of our challenges. And I was you know, blown away <laughs> by that concept and immediately asked her what she was talking about. Right. And she told me, she told me that uh, our, our challenge that, that week was to have a tough conversation and she knew that she had to have a tough conversation with her then husband. And um, the tough conversation was, this isn't working. Hmm. And when she had the conversation, she realized very quickly that he felt very much the same way, that it wasn't working. And they agreed to separate. Um, and in doing that, she energetically opened the door for um, a, a, an ex-boyfriend from an old boyfriend from high school to re-enter her life. And as she was getting divorced from her ex-husband, she married her ex-boyfriend and got pregnant and just had a baby. <laughs> That's and so, you know, it's, and, and those stories, first of all, personally, that that will that will fuel me for right. years but the truth is we all have it in us every single day we just need to act we just need to have that permission to do those kind of things in life that we know that we need to do but we're afraid to do yeah. and just think about what life could look like if we got rid of the concept of gosh how are people going to perceive me? How are people going to react if I do this? What if I fail? What if I succeed? And we actually just did it. Yeah. And 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 that's that's the basis of scare your soul. Is we 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 give you that permission slip. We give you the challenge. You can do it if it's relevant. You don't have to do it if it's not. And um and if you do it consistently, and if you make it a practice, you will have a better life. You will have greater connection you will have a better work life. Um, that's my firm belief. And so, you know, you mentioned lightning in a bottle. I really passionately believe that that's what we have. We, and, it's, and it's so simple, um, but, um, but when you build a tribe around it and you have other people that are doing it with you and rooting you on, um, that's, 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 that sometimes gives you that extra boost that allows you to kind of get over the hump. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a couple other questions, but before I forget, for people who are interested, people who want to participate or want to learn more about Scare Your Soul, what's the best place for them to get started? Sure. So um, signing up on our website, scareyoursoul.com is probably the best way. I also invite people to, to follow us on Instagram. Um, you'll see our challenges. You'll be invited personally. You'll get um, uh, all of our email communications, that's where our challenges typically come out, but it's also echoed on social media. Um, and, and, and I am, uh, always there. Um, I've made a personal commitment that if somebody wants to email me personally, I will respond and, 
uh, connect with anybody in Scare Your Soul personally. So if, if, if anybody has any thoughts, questions, um, um, I, will, uh, I will commit to, to being there and interacting with them. Um, and um, luckily now we have a wonderful team of about 50 ambassadors who are also out doing the challenges and, and living and posting um, what we do. And so there's a lot of opportunity for people to be inspired by what we do. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a real opportunity for people if they, you know, take it on to, um, to, to really, you know, open the door to ways that they can um, find new meaning um, and growth in their life. And, yeah. and that's, 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 that's kind of what we do every single day. Yeah, that's really cool um, and uh, amazing work. And I think, you know, one thing I didn't mention a few minutes ago is just that I think about this sometimes with my work where you think, you know, am I having enough impact? Like, am I, it feels like maybe I'm doing things that are small. And then you hear stories though, like the one you mentioned about the woman who, you know, attributes having her child to something small that you encouraged her to do, or at least give the, give the forum to do. You didn't even encourage her necessarily. Right. Right. And I think about that and the reality that, you know, sometimes small things can have these huge ripple effects. And if you think about it that way, and if you think about just playing your part and perhaps just, you know, catalyzing some of that, then suddenly it's pretty amazing. I think what, what you can do if you're willing to stand up and, and lead or share your story or do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, like any of those things can have a massive impact. And so it's, it's cool to hear that experience. And, and certainly that I think you're, you're realizing that on your end as well. Um, Scott, let me ask you a different question. You mentioned in the beginning that you have two kids and you know, you're, I think, delighted that your children are having a very different childhood, it sounds, than, than what you did. But how do you think about parenting, right? So I have a, I have a two and a half year old and, you know, spend a lot of time with my wife thinking about, you know, what kind of parents do you want to be? What kind of upbringing do you want to give, you know, your child and, and how do you instill or give, create opportunities to instill the types of values that you care about, right? So when you think about everything that you've learned and how I think radically different your life is now from when you were growing up, how is that impacting your parenting and the way that you raise your kids? Um, that is honestly such a beautiful question. And um, I have thought about that um, hundreds of times as I look at my kids um, grow and, and navigate their own challenges um, in, in their lives. And, um, you know, I think for me, the answer um, is that I have chosen to um, role model versus um, uh, uh, mandate. Mm. And, um, and um, my children, I think, uh, revel in what I do and how much I care about it, um, but don't feel any pressure to follow my path. And I think that that is the, the beauty and the challenge in parenting is to honor who our kids truly are and to allow them to find their path. Um, if there's been any way that I feel like I've been able to kind of bring the scare your soul mindset to them, it is in many cases, and I, I see this with, with friends and I see this in, in my own extended family, you know, um, I, I encourage them to embrace uncertainty mm-hmm. and I encourage them to embrace the unknown. Um, um, and, um, they don't always need to know the answer. 
They don't always need to be um, um, uh, firm in their um, that in an outcome. And I I think in many cases kids look to their parents for this sense of is this okay? Is this okay? Am I am I on the right path? Yeah. And um, I what I've consistently told both of my children who are both spectacular human beings is it's your path and I honor your path, but it's yours. Mm -hmm. It's yours. And um, so, and that's really tough as a parent because we, we see sometimes our, our kids doing things either that, that now that we've had some life experience, maybe we wouldn't do, but in, in more off more cases than not, I have been so pleasantly surprised by the decisions that my kids have made that have led to wonderful outcomes that I never would have ever considered. Um, my, 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 my quick anecdote is, is about my daughter, Tila, who, um, it, when I describe her, I basically say that she has kind of danced her way through life. She has a beautiful sense of joy and of spontaneity. She, um, she is, she is, um, not a, a planner or somebody who is focused on, um, uh, achieving the goal that she set out for her a year in advance, she is the a beautiful embodiment of living life in the moment. And I remember one time on vacation, we were in Florida, and it was the end of the evening. She had already changed, and we went back down to the beach, and she was walking with her feet in the water. And she said to me, I, I want I want to jump back into the water. And I said to her, but you've already changed it. We'd have to change again. You're going to get cold. You know, I, my, my whole sense of being a parent was, no, you know, constrained. And I said, but the choice is yours. And she literally leapt into the water and, and, and then began kind of like dancing in the waves. And my, my, my view of my daughter now is somebody who dances in the waves. Mm. And, you know, and I, I had to allow her to say yes in that moment. And I had to allow her to be the person that she is. So I think as parents, if we can embrace, embrace this sense of allowing our kids to say yes to their own journey. And, uh, and, and, that, and that takes faith and it takes courage. Um, but at the end of the day, we end up with kids who feel empowered and like their life is an adventure that they have, that they own the keys to. Yeah. Um, and that, that to me is, you know, has been, has been a whole, a whole journey of, of my own as a parent, but I look at my kids now and, and they own their existence and I get to just revel in watching them, um, uh, on their path. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the next challenge. Um, but I'd just say for today, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for sharing your experiences and, and please continue the work that you're doing. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If this was your first time listening to Reinvented, be sure to click the subscribe button now. If you've been enjoying the show for a while, don't forget to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone that would love this episode, take a moment to spread the word. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.